Sunday, recorded for us in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 24th verse. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor is a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the master of the house was called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. So do not be afraid of them, because there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, and nothing hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear the one who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground without the knowledge and consent of your Father. And even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. Everyone who confesses me before others, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Lord, these are your words and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you probably feel like you have grown in your Christian life or your Christian faith. Maybe one aspect of that is simply going to church on Sunday morning. Maybe when you were younger, when you were a child or just young in the faith, you wondered, is it really that important to go to church every single Sunday? Maybe your parents even had to bring you to church or force you to go to church. But as you've grown and matured in your faith, you've come to appreciate church. In fact, maybe it's even something that you look forward to during your week. Or maybe when it comes to Bible class or Sunday school, maybe it's something that initially you resented. You didn't want to go. I mean, if you're dedicating one hour of your life to your religion, why not? Or why should you have to do two hours and go to Bible study as well? But maybe as you've grown in your faith, you've come to appreciate those things. The opportunity to study God's word with fellow believers. Or maybe in your life of sanctification concerning stewardship. Maybe early on you were reluctant to give your offerings to the Lord's work. And maybe even as you continue to grow and the pastor would mention how important it is to give good and regular offerings in proportion to your income, you thought to yourself, well, I got bills to pay. But as you've grown in your faith, as you've matured, you've now found the joy in Christian stewardship and giving and you give generously to the Lord's work. The topic for our, in our text for us today, though, is one that I think that we all struggle with. No matter how long we have been Christians, whether we are new to the faith or whether we've been Christians for decades or for our entire life, it's really the topic or directive from our Lord to tell others about Him, to tell people about Jesus. And our lesson for today, it concludes with these last two verses, and it says this, Everyone who confesses me before others, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. How much guilt weighs on your heart and conscience when you hear those words? If you're like me, you can probably think of times when you failed 
to tell other people about Jesus. Maybe it was an opportunity that you had, perfect opportunity, to tell someone about your faith and you didn't take it. Maybe it was another situation at work. Maybe the Christian religion was brought up and you were silent as they bashed the Christian faith and even Jesus himself. Maybe it was among friends in a, in a school setting. And maybe you didn't go along with what they were saying as they were tearing apart Christianity, but you just stood there silent. I think for us throughout our lives, there's many moments where we can think of where we have not spoken when we should have. And we have not confessed Christ to others when maybe we've even outright denied him. That Jesus in our lesson for today invites us to confess him, to confess Christ. You know, Jesus in our text for today is about to send the disciples out to bring the message of salvation to many more people. But he wants to prepare them for some things. He knows that they're going to face adversity. And this perhaps is one of the things that we face too that makes us so afraid at times to tell other people about our faith or maybe just simply to be silent. It's because we're worried about what other people are going to say or what other people are going to think or what they're maybe going to do to us. But Jesus tells them, he wants to be, be really upfront with them people aren't going to receive your message always so kindly. In fact, there's going to people, be people that are very upset with you. Yet I want you to know this ahead of time, to prepare you for this. Do not be afraid because of it. You know, sometimes I think in our lives as Christians, we maybe are silent because we feel like we don't have the right words. And we're afraid for that reason. We're afraid that we're going to say something wrong or we're going to make the matter worse, right? We're going to, we have an opportunity to speak to a friend about the faith, but we're not going to say it right and we're going to turn them off to Jesus. And so we just are silent instead. We maybe say, well, maybe if the pastor was right here helping me, backing me up. Or even better, what if Jesus was right here backing me up? then I'd know exactly what to say. I'd say the perfect thing with the perfect amount of tact and they would not reject me, they would not reject my message, but they'd believe it and they'd become Christian. Well, Jesus chose us in our lesson for today. That wasn't even the case for him. Jesus is the one who spoke every word perfectly, who had the perfect thing to say at the right moment every single time, who used the right amount of tact, the right amount of love and concern for his fellow man, who chose his words carefully. People hated Jesus even, though he spoke the word of truth perfectly. So that means for us, we shouldn't be surprised when maybe people don't take so kindly to the message of the truth, but we shouldn't let that stop us, should we? In fact, Jesus goes on to say what we should be afraid of. We shouldn't be afraid of, as it says in our lesson for today, those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. What's Jesus talking about there? You know, our first reaction might be 
to wonder, is he talking about the devil? But he's not. He's talking about God there. He's talking about the one who can send people to hell, the judge of the universe, right? He says, so don't be so afraid of the way people are going to respond, even if they respond in anger, even if they respond in violence, even if it's detrimental to you, because you should be more concerned about what God thinks, about what God wants you to do. And we as Christians ultimately have a beautiful message to share, don't we? It's a wonderful message, the message of salvation, that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinful people like you and me. And that this isn't just for a select group of people, but it's for all people, that all who believe in Jesus will be saved. Yet even that beautiful message is going to be rejected by some people. Are you calling me a sinner? You're saying that I have to believe in your Jesus in order to get to heaven? I don't think so. It's going to make people upset, yet it's a wonderful message of truth. And Jesus also comforts us by letting us know that he is with us always to the end of the age. In fact, in our text for today, he reassures us that God is with us as we testify to the truth, as we confess Christ to others. He gives us this analogy of birds, of these sparrows, right? Sparrows that aren't worth much to human beings, just the smallest of coins. And yet, he makes the point that God knows that even when one of these tiny birds drops out of the sky and falls to the ground, God knows, and it doesn't happen outside of his will. Think about it. When you walk on the sidewalk and you see a dead bird on, on your way, on your passing, or a dead animal, you maybe see it there, but you don't stop and do anything about it. You don't pick it up and bury it. You just keep going on your way, or roadkill on the side of the road for that matter. Maybe only if it's on your property or something will you actually do anything about it. It's how little we care for those you know, animals that just drop dead. But God knows and God cares. And if God cares about those animals, certainly he cares about you and me, the crown of his creation, and even more so us who are his children by faith. And so we need not be afraid as we go out, as we confess Christ, because he's watching over us. He gives us another analogy of the hairs on our head. Any idea how many hairs on a, on a human head at all? Probably guess. Well, it's been said that there's about 100,000 hairs on the average human's head. And maybe we'd say, well, why in the world do we need to know that, right? It's kind of, <laughs> kind of a trivial thing. Yet God knows. God knows the minutest of detail about you. He knows something that you don't even know about yourself, the number of hairs on your head. And again, he comforts us that he's with us, even as we go out, as we confess Christ, as we confess the truth. Despite all of this, though, we can still be afraid. You know, even when Jesus tells us not to be afraid, even when he tells us what to expect, even when he reassures us that I'm with you through all of it, do not be afraid, don't fear, we're still afraid. And we're still resistant to speak. And we maybe at times even deny our Lord. You know, there was a disciple who denied his Lord, wasn't there? A disciple who boldly at one time said, you are the Christ, Jesus, the Son of the living God. A disciple who boldly said that I will die rather than deny you, Lord. But just a few hours later, he did exactly that. 
And what did it take for Peter to deny his Savior, the one he so boldly confessed? A little girl, a little servant girl came up to him. That caused him to crumple in fear. And he cursed and swore, and he said that he didn't know Jesus. In fact, he did it three times, that group there. We're told in Scripture at that moment, as Jesus in a distance, as he's being hauled away, he turns back and he sees Peter. And Peter knows the guilt of his denial, and he runs out and he weeps bitterly because of what he did. He denied his Savior. Can you imagine the heavy guilt on Peter's heart that weekend? Because maybe even if he wasn't able to see it with his own eyes because of his fear, he at least heard the news how Jesus not only was convicted, but he was put on the cross. And of the agonizing hours there and him dying there on the cross and then his body being placed in the tomb, the weight of guilt. I should have been there with him. I should have died with him. That's what I said I was going to do, but instead I did the opposite. I denied my Lord. But what happened that Sunday? We know some women went out to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. And as they came to the tomb, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, and so they go in. And inside, they find two angels, and they ask where Jesus is. They say, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Go and tell Simon Peter. Jesus wanted his messengers to tell whom? Tell Simon Peter first and then the disciples. Simon Peter Jesus wanted to comfort him with the news of his resurrection from the dead. And we know from Scripture that on that very same Easter morning, Jesus did appear alive to Peter personally. We don't know all the details of what they said in that interaction, but we do know this. That sometime later, as Peter is out fishing on the Sea of Galilee with six other disciples, as they're out there and they're having a terrible time on the lake, they're not catching anything. All of a sudden, they see a man on shore, and he tells them to throw the net on the other side, and they do, and it's a whole bunch of fish. One of the other disciples says, it's Jesus, and Peter jumps in the water, and he runs to Jesus to go greet him. It's at this moment that we hear this conversation between Peter, the one who denied Jesus, and the risen Lord. And Jesus asks Peter personally, and he says, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know, you know all things. You know that I love you. But Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you love me? And again, Peter, do you love me? And that third time, Peter feels that guilt of the denial, what he had done. But right after that, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. For one who had done the opposite of what he should have done, for one who had denied his Lord, Jesus welcomes him back to the fold welcomes him as one of his followers, one of his disciples. He says, follow me. And he even tells him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Tell other people about me. And Jesus does the same for you and for me. I know many of us come with that weight and guilt of those failures and denials of our own Savior, the one that we love so much. Know that he too forgives you and that he invites you to come back to his fold. Know that he invites you to follow him 
and to also share his word, to feed his sheep, to feed his lambs by telling others about Christ. And think of all the opportunities that God presents before you to do exactly that. You know, sometimes I wonder how often we speak the name of Christ in our own homes, among our own family members, even fellow Christians. We should do that more often, shouldn't we? Think of the opportunities. Look for the opportunities in times and everyday conversations to talk about your faith, to talk about your Savior, especially with those in your own home, those you love. It's good practice. It's good practice to be able to talk to those then who live around you in your neighborhood, in your workplace. And, and I'm not telling you not to work. Of course, you should work. But there, there's opportunities, though, at the workplace or in your neighborhood that just arise to tell others of the hope that you have in Christ. You know, a couple of years ago, I was at the park across the street from my house with a couple of my boys playing on the playground. And if you know me well, I'm, I'm someone that, that can't stand silence. And so... I'm there with another grandpa who's watching his grandson. And so, of course, I got to strike up a conversation with this guy. And, and we get to talking, and you know, over the course of the conversation, I reveal to him that I'm a Christian and Christian pastor even. And surprising to me, he then starts opening up about questions he has about the Christian faith. And I found myself that day sharing with him a law and gospel presentation. And as I walked home from the park, it struck me. I thought of all the times that I'd gone on canvassing efforts, knocking on doors, and you know how nervous I was doing stuff like that. And yet something like this was so natural. It just came up as part of their conversation because I mentioned I was a Christian. And I think of those opportunities that can be there for you too. Just mentioning that you're a Christian or mentioning your faith can perhaps open doors open opportunities, that you don't have to have it all planned out in your head, what am I going to say, or sit on a park bench, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the next guy that comes to the park here, you know. But it can just come up in everyday conversation, that God opens those doors for you, and he invites you to confess Christ. Tell others of the certain hope you have of eternal life. Tell others of the forgiveness of sins in Jesus. Yes, when it comes to telling other people about Jesus, it's something that we all definitely need to work on a lot, isn't it? It's something that terrifies us so much. But know that Jesus is with you, that Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will even give you the right words to say. And we have every reason to confess Christ, the one who is our Savior from sin, our certain hope of everlasting life. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.